Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network, and I'd like to tell you that we have a new and improved website. It has two new features that we think you'll love. One of them is a vastly improved search engine so that when you type in keywords, you'll get a bunch of episodes really quick. The other is the ability to create a listener account. And in that listener account, you can save episodes for later listening. So you can create a kind of listening list. We think these features are neat and we think you'll enjoy them. Please visit the site today. Welcome to the New Books Network. Death brought casseroles and Tom took them, every one, his hands numb upon the square glass containers, many warm from the oven, others cold so that their foiled tops wept with moisture. There was nothing to be done but stand and nod and thank people for coming and answer questions about Sarah. Yes, she was doing okay considering, just tired, you know and nodding again, and nodding again, and nodding again. This is G.P. Gottlieb, host for New Books in Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. And today I'm talking to Christian Kiefer about his new novel, The Heart of It All. Set in the winter of 2016, the book opens at the Bailey House, where a sick baby has died, and everyone in town is stopping by with a casserole and words of comfort. The family is grieving, none more so than the mother, Sarah, who won't be able to function for months. The kids are affected in different ways, but all the children portrayed in the novel face challenges of one kind or another. An abusive father, a bully at school, a young black man moving into an all-white town. The adults struggle in different ways. Mary Lou's mother gets Alzheimer's and must be moved into a nursing home. Mr. Marwat's parents move in from Pakistan. And Tom Bailey finally makes his way back to the all-important Tuesday night bowling league. Everyone is struggling to survive. And it's easier to do with the help of friends and neighbors. Hi, Christian. Thanks for joining Hi, me today. Thanks for, so, being, thanks for having me. How did you come to write the heart of it all? Oof. Um, well, it started with uh, the birth of my youngest daughter, who uh, had a heart defect and has Down syndrome and has had a whole raft of medical issues. And um, at some point, during her first few months of life, um, I I had agreed to do somebody's blog, um, which was called How We Spend Our Days. And it's just a blog that has to do with sort of like what the day of a writer is actually like. And at the time, I wasn't really writing anything. I was just in this kind of death grip about uh, my daughter's health, uh, very worried. And there was a significant feeling that she could pass away at any time during that period. Um, and I sat down in front of the computer and kind of just described how I was feeling for this, for this 
blog uh, site and thought, well, I should write something because I'm supposed to be a writer. That's the point of this blog. So I wrote effectively the first paragraph of the book, um, kind of live on the blog. Um, and it was, you know, the, the book starts with uh, effectively the funeral of a child. And um, the book kind of blossomed out of that feeling of what what if the if the worst happened how would we get through it because you think you can't but people do all the time um we we persevere um as uh as faulkner would say with dilsey uh they endured um and so the you know the genesis of the book was was that the emotional genesis of the book oh that is so heartbreaking how's the baby doing Baby's still fairly sick, but she had open heart surgery at three months. She's been in and out of the hospital a bunch of times. We actually moved, basically moved into the hospital with the whole family for, um, I think, two or three months a few years ago. She's doing much better now. You know, she still has somewhat tenuous health. Um, she's nonverbal. Her, her Down syndrome is fairly significant in terms of development. Um, but, uh, you know, although she's a, a, a lot of work <laughs> and mm. a lot of emotional work, she's just really a joy. Hmm. Yeah. So now we know how the book starts. Yeah. I, you begin also with a, just a beautiful quote, what forgotten dialect articulated the depths of the human heart he did mm. not know. Can you mm -hmm. say more about the parents, Tom and Sarah? Yeah, I mean, Tom and Sarah are at a point in their marriage where they have, you know, the the, the honeymoon is long over. We're in the in, in the long tail out of a marriage um, where their 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 kids are, uh, you know, grown up enough that they don't take constant parenting anymore. Um, they have to some extent gone into that period of their marriage where they're cohabitating um, and they're sort of more cohabitants and less partners. And, and right in the middle of this comes this terrible tragedy, tra tragedy of the, the death of this, um, this new child. And, um, you know, uh, I'm not sure any marriage is particularly well equipped to deal with a tragedy of this magnitude, but, um, you know, marriages can get complacent very quickly. And um, that's certainly the case with, with Tom and Sarah. And then the question is, okay, if, if their, if their marriage is, partially untethered in terms of the partnership or even even the emotional or romantic partnership um then then how do they weather the kind of um a, of emotional storm that enters into one's heart when a tragedy of this kind comes upon you mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the older kids, Janie and Charlie, are in high school dealing with their own very real issues, including the death of their baby brother. Tom can't get much out of either of them. Janie's tired of everyone she knows. Charlie hangs out with his best friend who has his own separate set of problems. How did you come up with these very realistic characters? Thank you. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, it's it's funny, um, Delete. This, this book came 
really quickly in draft. Like I think I started it during one of those uh, November novel writing projects because uh, again, you know, I was so kind of emotionally strung out that I needed, I needed something to light a fire under me and get some words done. And the, the characters, the characters just kind of appeared in the way that um, that songwriters talk about songs appearing like they, they, you know, you don't know where that stuff comes from. It just kind of manifests. Um, and a lot of it is kind of imagining the push and pull of life and what a what a friend can be and can't be to somebody. And there's a variety of kind of friendships that are sort of crossing back and forth and creating that that web. Um, I'm thinking of something like um, that 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 post-war kind of ex, expat generation of like Hemingway and you know that that Hemingway and Faulkner and Joyce and um, and and that kind of Gertrude Stein crowd um, were part of where where you know the 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 warlike tendencies of humanity are so great that it calls into question uh any kind of cosmology that involves god and so then what do you have to lean on but your neighbors and your friends and your family um and that's i i think that's more or less where this book is situated it's like what we have is each other um and when when things get particularly dire uh, each other is who we lean on. And it's not necessarily the people who you expect. It's it's not always your spouse or your sibling. Um, it's sometimes a co-worker that you hardly even know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, and that's uh or it's your or it is or it is your father who you've felt somewhat estranged by and um and 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 now he's you know come back into your life and he's uh he is broken in his own way yeah right? so um tom bailey is a foreman in a company owned by a pakistani man mr marwat what's going on in ohio in those years <laughs> that makes the factory one of the only jobs available in the area why is there so much poverty in north central ohio yeah you know, I grew up and still live in Northern California, and and we have poverty in California. Um, the poverty in California, though, is mostly urban. Um, you know, we'll have uh, homeless camps in Sacramento or in Los Angeles or or in you know in Stockton. Um, what I was really struck by in in all my travels and visits to Ohio is is coming through small towns about the size of the town that I grew up in and the size of the towns that that I live in right now, which felt economically wrecked. Um, lots of these towns have a former factory in them or a former assembly plant of some kind or a bunch of silos um, because they process grain. Um, many of those, most of those are empty shells now. So you get a sense that at one point this town was thriving. It had some kind of industry. There was a tannery there or a grain processor or a assembly plant of some kind, a lab. Um, 
one of the things I did with the book is I took Ashland, Ohio, which is where I spend my Ohio time. And I removed the two major employers, which was the um, the university and the hospital. And I thought without those two employers, what's propping this town up? Like, why does this town exist? And then you end up with people um, tr just trying to get by, you know, trying to get by. And this is, you know, this is many, many decades of, of poor um, governmental um, management right um manifesting a, 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 as um kind of this economic destruction for for lack of a better way to put it and then um you know you you take that and then you set a book right at the cusp of the trump presidency and you have a lot of people who are who are fairly conservative, both socially and economically, but really what they want is change. So anybody who's going to promise change and who's going to blame somebody for the economic situation, um, that that rings really loudly in a in a place like North Central Ohio, right? So you have a a real sense of like, okay, we we got our guy, we voted him in. Um Let's see if things change. You know, maybe maybe something will change now because that that's what, you know, that that's what we're hinging our hopes on or or like hooking our hopes to. I don't know about you, but I'm very busy and I don't have a lot of time to cook. That's why I subscribe to Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. These are two minute meals. Factor meals are ready to eat in heat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. They're flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math, and this is important. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com nbn50 and use code nbn50 to get 50% off. That's code nbn50 at factormeals.com slash nbn50 to get 50 percent off and nothing did i loved your portrayal of mary lou whose mother had belittled belittled her throughout her life here's the quote that i loved the one thing she knew for certain you write was that her life had not turned out the way she hoped not by a long shot that seems to be a lot of the characters can you say more yeah i mean i was just thinking about this in the car the other day i mean there's a there's a there's a point when you're in your 20s and you're telling people that you're um you're working toward being a writer or being a filmmaker or being a doctor or something and then i'm 52 and there's a point at which it's much more difficult to claim you're going to be something that you're not um the fact that i was able to dream myself into being a writer has a lot to do with the kind of support that I had at home. Like it enabled me to have those kinds of dreams. There's plenty of characters in the book. Actually, I don't think there's any characters in the book actually who are allowed to dream that that grandiosely, right? Like there's nobody who's like, I'm going to go to LA and be an actress. You know, it's it, everybody's dreams are truncated by the situation that they're in and the reality 
everybody's fairly clued in to the fact that they they're living effectively in a economic dead end um and there's even you know there's this image in the book um you know charlie's friend lives on a little stub road and there's kind of like a dirty pile of snow that accumulates at the end of that road and um i think that's in some ways that's kind of the central image of the whole book right it's like there's there's a road that you live on that doesn't actually go anywhere and the only purpose of the end of it is the snow plow gets to dump the dirty snow there at the end and you get to slowly watch it melt out over the course of the season and then the next year it happens all over again yeah but your descriptions of the the weather and bleakness are are just stunning contrast that to how Mr. Marwat and his family, the only Pakistani family in the area, they look around and they think the place is beautiful. Here's what you say about the weather and the, the place. Outside, the earth was a frozen mass, cold enough that she could sense it even inside, as if the coffee shop had been built upon a glacier that cracked and shifted on, under them. Can can you talk a little bit more about the place, yeah. the geography? Yeah, coming from California, uh, Ohio is this incredible exotic place. Um, and I find it very beautiful, actually. Uh, rolling hills and the farms and the Amish folks and the Mennonites and even the even the the kind of rough hewn quality of the towns where the, you, you can sense that they were once um very be- beautiful. And they still are largely beautiful, but um, often you can also, you know, they're like beautiful towns that kind of got in a scrap, (laughs) you know, they got in a little bit of a fight. Um, And and having put all that in there, um, you know, then you have some people coming into Ohio from Lahore in Pakistan. And it's like, this is the greenest, most beautiful place I've ever seen in my life. Right, right, right. Right. And uh, there and, and the weather and like it gets so cold and then it gets so hot and there's there's uh fireflies. I mean, it, it, it is uh, for me, even in the winter when it's, you know, zero degrees, I, I just think it's a, a an incredibly fascinating, lovely place uh, to uh, to experience both sort of topographically and, and, and in terms of. Uh, it's people and its situation. It's just a, it's a very different America and also very much the same America as the one that uh, I live in. Okay, so this is a shout out to all our listeners from Ohio, basically. Um, Tom's son saves Mary Lou's mother when he finds her wandering outside in her bathrobe and slippers in the freezing weather. And Tom saves Mary Lou by inviting her onto the bowling team. Mrs. Simmons saves Kent by inviting him to read to her preschoolers. Did you envision a theme here of people saving each other? Yeah, well, that's that's me trying to write a book about hope, which I think is what the book is ultimately about. And even, um, you know, uh, not every not everybody is reachable or easy to reach. Um, you know, Mary Lou's mom is wandering around in the cold, and somebody takes care of her. Um, you know, there's there's a a, a young uh, black character in the book who is wandering around, going just going for a walk with his headphones on, and the police show up. 
you know um so it's 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 different now having said that um when uh, anthony shaw the our, our young black uh, character is at the local coffee shop the first couple times he's fairly nervous about it and he feels like people are looking at him and quite aware of him being there and then fairly quickly they write his name on the coffee cup without asking him and he sits there and he's just part of the coffee shop then um so there is kind of an adjustment that happens i think in people's hearts where um you know uh galit it's 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 kind of a a, a calculation of scale so in in the trump america um some very conservative people might rail against immigrants let's say but they might also have a friend or two who are immigrants and they might very well say like well i don't mean you Mm -hmm. uh you know rashid i i mean those other immigrants right or like i don't mean you frank i mean those other gay gay people right or Mm -hmm. whatever um and and that i think is an interesting thing it's it's like an abstraction it's like a political and social abstraction that doesn't necessarily play through to the personal level it's like a separate layer of consciousness for a lot of people that we're not talking about our community we're talking about this like larger thing that's happening in america but i think there's very little dialing down to the individuals um what uh um what that is i don't know it's it's like a paranoia about it's a, it's it's a, a logical fallacy right it's slippery slope mm-hmm. um which is if i if i permit uh somebody to 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 fly a rainbow flag on my street the entire country is going to become gay and that's not all right with me or whatever right it's this it's this weird uh phobia of change but it's not always applicable on the personal or local level now of course there's um you know there's charlie's friend's dad (laughs) and there's also uh um sam uh in the book couple characters who really do kind of like lock on to that mania and paranoia in a big way Mm -hmm. there always are another theme (laughs) another theme among the characters is that everyone makes some mistake that they fret over tom gets drunk and kisses a a fellow worker and he knows his apology isn't enough that sort of thing you write Our actions remain unchanged. Our embarrassing histories, language, a poor mediator between that world and this. So true. Do we ever really learn that? Do your characters ever learn that? I I think in order to be good as a person, and you define that however you want to, it's, um, it's, it's a practice and it's work. It's labor. And I think there's no way to to do that other than to do it. Um, I, I I think it's I think these are lessons that we relearn by teaching ourselves over and over again. You know, um, because we're we're always unfinished, um, and we do the best we can given what we have, which is a fairly 
screwed up, <laughs> dangerous, confusing world. Um, and what's right and what's wrong uh, are not always as clear as we'd like them to be. Um, and I think we 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 can and should strive to be the best people we can, not just for ourselves, but for our community. And our community is um, bigger than we think. It's mm. bigger than we think. It's not just it's not just the people on my street, but it's it's you and me, and um, the the people in Morocco who are uh, coming out of that terrible earthquake, and um, and uh, everybody. We're all. We're all our own community, everybody. Yeah. What other themes do you think should I have asked about? Oh, boy. In your book. You know, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there there is uh, I, I think it's worth talking about or touching on um, kind of empathy, which is for writers you know we talk about empathy a lot and there's a claim that like reading makes you better at empathy like if you're a big reader you're 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 more empathetic but i think um for me the political situation in america is is so fraught and has been so fraught for so long that empathy is um increasingly difficult if not impossible across that political divide um it's easy for somebody like me to look at somebody like Mitch McConnell and feel a little gleeful about his, you know, what appears to be some serious medical issues going on. Um, Which is shameful that we, that anybody would feel that way about another human being, but that is the, the reality. In that's the reality. But I, so I think, I think one of the things I tried to do in the book is to try to go like, okay, everybody, just is is striving for a better life. Like we just yeah. want things to be better. We want to be happier. We want to feel more secure. We want to feel safer. So if you strip away the the hurtful the hurtful side of the politics, and you just get down to the human heart, like what is it that people are actually advocating for and why? And they're advocating for what they perceive to be their own safety and their happiness and the and the economic or social safety and happiness of their children and their families. Yeah. And I think if you do that, you, you're in a, a somewhat better stead in terms of empathizing and understanding America as this kind of uh, great, flawed, totally screwed up and completely dysfunctional and glorious place. And now we have time for one very quick answer to the question, Christian Kiefer, what are you working on next? Oh, I've got an absolute dog pile of stuff that I'm working on. I've got a novel about Rilke. Okay. I've got a sort of a Western. I've got a book about mountaineering that I'm working on. I spend a lot of time climbing, so I've, I've got this mountaineering book. And I'm, as of yesterday, I'm working on a, I'm working on a science fiction novel about sentient um, mushrooms in outer space. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I have, we have Thank way you. more to talk about, but we got to go. Thanks so much for uh, joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. 
and thanks for joining me. Again, this is G.P. Gottlieb, author of the Whipped and Sipped Mystery Series and host for New Books in Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today, I've been talking to author Christian Kiefer about his lovely new novel, The Heart of It All. Hope you all have a good book to cuddle up with tonight and always. Thanks. Happy reading.